Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Tapiwa Mutsuriwa. Let me read the text of uh, the text of the moment. It's found in um, Mark chapter 1, the verse is 14 through to 15. Mark gets us straight into the action of Jesus. Mark does not mark around with the story of Jesus. He just goes straight for the point. And here is what he says. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what did he say? He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent therefore and believe in the gospel. Let us pray. Father in heaven, it is our desire this this afternoon that we as fountain in the city family can grasp this I this 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 thought of the gospel that we may believe because we know that time has been fulfilled so that we may believe and that believing might lead us to repentance that we may be part of this kingdom that our hearts may pulsate with the love of the kingdom so father i pray that your holy spirit might move with us today in jesus name I pray amen and amen. Friends, I want you to start with me. I want you to imagine it has been 400 years in the land of Israel, Palestine if you like, Judea if you like. They have gone for a 400 year drought, spiritual drought. Not a single prophet has ever come through. Malachi is the last prophet. Here are three strict centuries where there is no word from heaven except the gospel, the, the the books of the Old Testament, starting with the with the books of the law of Moses, with the books of of the sages, the the the, the wise men of the Bible, like Job, like Solomon. They are there, and they have the prophets. And, and the minor and the major prophets right through to Malachi. But for a long period of time, there's been a dry patch. Nothing has ever come through to them in terms of a word from the Lord. They still believe, however, that they are the people of the Lord. In fact, they, 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 are, they, are, they lift themselves up with pride that they are God's children. I can see it in the imagination of my mind. Our matriarchs of the family would sit down with their children by the fireside and they would tell them of the stories that they themselves have picked up that have come down by oral tradition of the days of the prophets of old. They would tell the little children by the fireside of the story of creation, of the story of their forefather Adam, of the story of their of their great ancestor Abraham. They would have told them, I'm sure of the story of the captivity in Egypt and how the Lord using a powerful prophet called Moses had led the children of Israel out 
of the captivity right through into the promised land where they are living now. They would have passed through that. They would have talked about the prophets that uh, prophesied about captivity one more time into Babylon. But these prophets would have left them without hope, would not have left them without hope. They would have told them that the prophets talked of the time when the Lord would restore the children of Israel from the from the captivity of, of Babylon one more time. And here would come a second exodus out of Babylon going back to rebuild Jerusalem. And they would have ended with the prophecies of Malachi. And they would have said, those were some three to four hundred years ago. But children, we are looking forward to the Messiah. This is the story they would have told. But recently, in the land of Israel, had risen a young man around 30 years of age. He would not preach, he would not teach, he was not a, he was not a rabbi. He was not a leader of any of the factions that were there. Neither the Pharisees, nor the Sadducees, nor the Essenes. He was preaching alone right down in the river Jordan. He would only eat honey. He dressed a bit funny, but his voice was so strong and his message strong. It was a message of repentance. Actually, some, some would have said, this is Elijah who has come back. He is a prophet. Listen to him. And there was something about this young preacher that, that gave him this gusto and confidence. Something about his message that was unique, that pierced right through to the heart. This man was preaching the message of repentance and his name was called John the Baptist. None other prophet, even in the Old Testament, in Jesus', Jesus own words, was greater than he. He was a prophet and he was talking about someone else who was coming and they, they would have gone down there to the river to hear him preach and he would preach with power and sometimes in his message he had these scathing rebukes because in his eye there was this something that he had the gift of discernment. He could read through people and he would know the people that had come down to the, to the wilderness of Jordan to hear him preach and he would know that some of these people standing here were Pharisees. Some of them were hypocrites and he would have he would have preached a strong message to them. It is said of him that he had told some of them that they were snakes of of the most of the most um, dangerous type, vipers. He would have called them that you are children of vipers. You you stoned um, the, the, the prophets of God. He would have told them that don't call yourselves the children of Abraham. You call yourself the children of Abraham. Don't you know that out of these stones, God is able to raise children for himself. Repent ye therefore and do the works that are worth the children of God. He was a strong preacher but uh, and, and people would, would be converted and seared or disciples with him. And one day as he is preaching, he sees a man that is coming and he stops for he stops preaching he stops in the river where he is baptizing people everything stops and people follow his gaze to where he's looking there is a lone figure that is approaching there is no calmness in this figure there is no beauty there is no form in him that would attract anyone he was an average Aussie block to speak the 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 um, the vernacular and there was nothing really about him he was strong broad-shouldered man no showing that he uses his hand 
hands to work. He was a hard worker. But as they saw him coming, um, they could they their gaze go back to John. John's gaze is fixed on him. He cannot be distracted. And as they look at John's um, body language, they can tell that there is some admiration, even worship, even there is some kind of of reverence with him. And soon enough, as they are reading his as they are reading his body language, they see him lifting up his arm, and soon he points to the man who is approaching, and he says, "Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world." And soon enough, Jesus comes and. And he stands into the water together with John. And there is a bit of a conversation going on between the two of them. And as they are, as they are, as they are talking, the two of them are friends. I want you to know that this time, this real time that is here, that is happening right here, the prophets have desired to look into this moment, this moment of, of Jesus and John standing together in the river. It is a special moment. And, and 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 this conversation there is sort of like a friendly dispute between the two of them there is no animosity between the there is there is respect between the two of them it seems as if one is saying no 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 i cannot baptize you you are bigger than i am you're supposed to baptize me but they hear soon enough you should baptize me so that we can fulfill all righteousness and they are watching this as they continue to watch this this as the story unfolds they see uh, John finally uh, getting to do business. He baptizes Jesus and Jesus comes out of the water. As Jesus is coming out of the water, they see to them it is just it is just a dove that is coming, a white dove that is coming upon Jesus. But soon enough they hear a voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because this is a divine moment, friends. It is a divine moment. And as Jesus walks out of there, it is Mark who captures these words that Jesus speaks. And what does he say? He says, time is fulfilled. Soon enough, John is taken and he is taken into prison where he soon dies. We, we, we are boggled with this as we read this man who has done such an amazing work for, for God. He is now taken into prison. And as he's taken into prison, Jesus assumes his ministry. And the first words that he speaks are, time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What time is this? Friends, I want to share with you about this thing called timeline prophecies. Let me take you back to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet that lives just before Babylon and right through into Babylon. Legend has it that it is Jeremiah who saw the armies of Nebuchadnezzar coming to destroy the city of, of Jerusalem and he would have stolen a few of the, uh, of the artifacts from the temple and he would have run away with them. And Jeremiah, but before that, he had prophesied that, hey, you children of Israel, because of the hardness of your hearts, you're going to be taken into captivity in Babylon. Let's capture it right here in, in Jeremiah chapter 29 and the verse is 10. He says, for thus says the Lord that after 70 years, 
be accomplished at Babylon. While you are in Babylon, there is a promise that God is promising you. He says, I will visit you and I'll perform my good word toward you in causing you to return back to Jerusalem, to this place. So this was a prophecy, a prophecy that had a timeline to it of 70 years that you would be taken to captivity, the children of Israel, and you'd be in captivity for 70 years. And then after 70 years, God would come down and he would rescue you from the captivity, from the slavery of, of Babylon. Now, friends, that is not the only timeline that we have. This timeline is important. We'll come back to it uh, in a moment just so that we can tie it together with the story that we started with, the story of Jesus. And in that timeline, uh, another timeline prophecy is found in Daniel chapter 8 verse 14. Now I want you to know that in Daniel chapter 8 14, that 70 year timeline prophecy is coming to an end. The children of Israel that have been taken captive in the city of Babylon have been there for 70 years. Some of them have died in Babylon. Some of them have died in slavery. But there's one man who had gone into captivity as a young man, maybe as a teenager. But 17 year, 70 years later, he's an old man now. He is there. Then he hears that, hey, Jerusalem, that lies desolate, that lies the sanctuary, cannot, cannot be cleansed because it gets cleansed every once per year on the day of atonement. The sanctuary, the temple cannot be cleansed because it lies desolate. It's not even rebuilt. So now he hears that it's going to take, this is at the end of the 70 years. He's looking now because he is a faithful man who prayed three times a day, looking towards Jerusalem, hoping that one day soon, the children of Israel will be allowed freedom, who Babylon would fall down and the children of Israel would go home and they would have a self-determination. They would have a way of worship that they are, that they are used to in the temple but now he hears that the temple is not going to be it's not going to be cleansed for any time sooner he hears that it is going to take 200 to for 2300 days of the same then the sanctuary shall be cleansed and this boggles his mind it destroys him emotionally because this is a man who is so attached to his way of worship of worshiping Yahweh now he knows that it's going to take 2300 days now friends I want you to think about it 2300 days is about six and a half years if you if you were to put together if it was six and a half years this was not going to cause him so much distress. he was going to say oh time is soon we, in about six years, we are going back home. What he had is that it's going to be much more than 2,300, 2,300 days. He is hearing years because he's a prophet. He understands that God, uh, when he speaks the prophetic language, a day represents a year. And this would have boggled his mind. In fact, the Bible says in speaking about the emotional state of Daniel, it says, and the vision of the evening and the morning which was told. It is true. Can you imagine? He's being told that it's going to take 2,300 more years before your children uh, and the children of Israel go back. And, and that's his understanding. It's, I'm not saying it is true, but that's his understanding. It, it destroys him. And now he's being told by this angelic being that this is true. 
This vision is true. Wherefore, shut up that vision. For it is for many days, not six and a half years, for many days, it's for many years. Then, I, Daniel, he says on verse 27, I fainted. He gets into, a, into deep depression and he was sick for seven days. And afterward, I rose up and did the king's business. But here is his dilemma. I was surprised. I was astonished by the vision. Because I thought the prophecy was supposed to be for 70 years. Then he says, none understood it. None understood it. That is the vision of Daniel. But it doesn't stop there with the prophet Daniel. When you go into chapter 9, that was chapter 8 closes with those words. In Daniel chapter 9, the story continues to unfold. It is in the first year of Darius, the son of, of Azexus, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. And, and Daniel is still serving under this king. And Daniel is still disturbed. Now Daniel begins to think, I think God intended for 70 years. It must have been. This is Daniel thinking. It must have been a conditional prophecy. That is condition. It's a timeline that is that has a condition of our faithfulness. Maybe because of our sins, God has extended it for more than 70 years. And he begins to cry. He begins to pray to God a prayer of repentance. He begins to pray to God a prayer of asking for forgiveness and confessing his sin. Hear what he says in Daniel chapter 9 and the verses 2 and in the first year of his reign that is Darius I Daniel understood by books I went back to the to the prophecies of, of, of Jeremiah the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that you it would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. I understood that. I've read the word of God. It is 70 years. Now I'm hearing 2,300 years more in this captivity. And he begins to weep. If you start from verse 3 right through to verse 19, Daniel is in prayer and he's confessing his sin and the sin of his people, wanting to to understand and wanting God to give him explanation as to this, what this this. Uh, this prophecy means. Now let me move on just a little bit more. The year that this happens is 539 BC. Now if you like before the common era, I'm still a little bit old school, I call them BC. The year is 439 BC. That is uh, that year. And as he continues in prayer, in prayer rather, not, not prayer, but in prayer, then he finds favor with God. An angelic being comes down, and when he comes down, he comes to explain the meaning of this prophecy. Are you, are you ready with me to understand the meaning of this prophecy? I've tried to summarize it, and I hope that you, you won't get lost as we, as we summarize it. In Daniel chapter 9, and the verse is 20, here is how we hear the story. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord, uh, my God, for his holy hill. I, I was saying, Father, it cannot be 2,300 more years. It must be. It must be. I want you to understand here that Daniel writes 2,300 days, but in prophetic reckoning, he knew that it is 2,300 years, not 2,300 days, which are six and a half years. He knew that it must be longer than that. That's why he was troubled in his heart. 
So he begins, he begins to think, oh, this must be because of our sin. And he's confessing the sin of his people and the sin of Israel. Now, when you go to verse 21, it says, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, that mighty angel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. What did he do? He informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill and to understand. You see, what is it that is being given to understand? It is that prophecy which he, he, he had boggled his mind and he had not understood. Now there is an angel that has come and it is none other but Gabriel, the mighty angel. We read about Gabriel right through the Bible that when you see Gabriel coming, he's the gospel angel. He's the angel that talks about Jesus most of the times. We know that as Jesus is being being born it is Gabriel who comes and he gives the message and Gabriel is here again something is about to happen he has come to explain the timeline of the 2300 days then he says at the beginning of your supplication of your prayer the command went out I was given the command by the command by the command center to come down and what did he say i've come to tell you for you are greatly beloved therefore consider the matter and understand the vision friends i don't think it's just daniel who is loved the message that daniel that gabriel comes with is not that daniel you are loved in heaven but he he finds gabriel finds time to include this i think as gabriel I believe Gabriel stands on the throne of God. He, he walks in the fire of God where, where Lucifer used to stand. And Gabriel, as, as, the, as the, the, the community of God would have been speaking, every now and then he would, they are, they are speaking, they are locked in, in conversation, in this union of conversation. And he would not hear some of the things, but every now and then they would, he would hear maybe the word Daniel. Daniel. And the, the favor with which they speak in heaven. And now he is relating that Daniel, I don't know what it is about you, but you are, you are greatly loved in heaven. Your name is mentioned in heaven. Now, friends, what is true for Daniel is true for you and I. Did you know that God has engraved, Jesus has engraved your name and my name and right on his power. Our names are mentioned within the Godhead in heaven. And here is the, the, uh, the, the testimony to that. But that's not my sermon today. Let's move on a little bit further on verse 24. He hears, 70 weeks are determined Literally in the Hebrew, they are cut off. It makes sense to me because Gabriel has come to, 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 uh, to, to, to give explanation of the 2,300 days or three 2,300 years. And he says 70 weeks have been cut off from the 2,300 days and they are determined for your people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression. I want you to, to get this. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. <laughs> so here we are given a 70 weeks, now a new timeline of prophecy. We had, we had 70 days. 
years with Jeremiah. Now Daniel is being given at the end of the 70 years. Another prophet rise up. Hey, can I just stop here for a moment? This is the thing with timeline prophecies. When God raises up a prophet and he says, here is a timeline prophecy. When that prophecy comes to an end, God raises up a second prophecy. A prophet who says, time is fulfilled. I wish I had time. I was going to tell you about the prophecy of Abraham. Did you know that Abraham is a prophet? I know that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take a bit more time here than I intended. Abraham is a prophet when, when um, Abimelech, the king of Egypt, is being told about the, the woman that is just about to touch the wife of Abraham. He says, don't touch the, this woman. She is the wife of that holy man. He is a prophet. How do we know that he's a prophet? Because Abraham prophesied about 430 years of the children of Israel in Egypt. Some four generations before they even came up on the scene. Now, at the end of that 430 year timeline, God raises up a prophet. That prophet is Moses. And that prophet is saying time is fulfilled. You see that, that principle? You could move with it with me when you come to Jeremiah. Jeremiah has the 70-week prophecy. And he says about the 70-week, I mean 70-year prophecy. He says 70 years you shall be in, in captivity in Babylon. And Jeremiah does not go to Babylon to, 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 to captivity. But at the end of the 70 years, God raises up a prophet. And that prophet is Daniel. Now we know that at the beginning, I'm just whetting your appetite. We want to see where this 70 weeks, 70 weeks end. There must be a prophet, a prophet who stands up and says time is fulfilled. And I want, to, I want to let you know, friends, that even with the 2,300 year prophets, we know that at the beginning of it stands Daniel. At the end of the 2,300 year prophecy, it's not my study today, but the, at the end of the 2,300 year prophecy, there should be a prophet who stands up and says time is fulfilled. But let's stick to the 70 weeks. In the 70 weeks, what are they for? This timeline, what is it for? We were told that it ends the rebellion against God and and and. Uh, it gives victory over sin. It reconciles us back to God. It forgives and justifies. It shows the prophets that prophecy is true, that it solidifies our belief in prophecy. And then it shows, it consecrates the temple of the most holy, and then it anoints the Messiah, the Prince. That's what we read in the most previous verse that we read. What does all this mean? Let's go back to the to the timeline, the 70-week timeline. Follow through with me. Um, we, we are almost there. Here is what it says. Know therefore and understand that from going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Now we know that this prophecy, this prophecy that, uh, that we are reading about, it starts with the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And we know that that command went out. I don't have time to go into all the historical records right now. But if you want, we can, we can, we can explain it someday. But today I want to just let you know that that command to rebuild Jerusalem was 457 before Christ, B.C. 
So we know that the 70 weeks begin with rebuilding Jerusalem. Only now that we know that there is a timeline right there on 457, we can actually count to when the, four, uh, the 70 weeks end. Now, as we continue to read, this is actually the prophecy. It says, Know therefore and understand that from going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, and then doesn't end there. Verse 25 ends with, There shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. Literally, it is saying there shall be 69 weeks. This was the old way of counting numbers. So it was, it will be 69 weeks. That is on verse 25. That is on verse, on verse 25. Now, it says, until Messiah the Prince. Now, let's get into a little bit of language here. This word, until Messiah, it means until the anointed one. In Hebrew, when you're talking about the anointed one, he is called the Mashiach. The English distorted to Messiah. The Hebrew version, I mean the Greek version of Mashiach is Christos. To put a Christos, to, to anoint is to Christos. So the Christos, the English, anglicize it to Christ. So this prophecy is pointing to Christ at the end of the 70 weeks. We're expecting this man who is going to be called Christ. And that word Christ, that word Messiah means to anoint. Is that making sense? So... Whoever this prophet is talking about, now I've gone ahead of myself and said it's Jesus. Whoever is coming at the end of this prophecy will be anointed right at the end of this prophecy. And it says at the end of the six, nine weeks. So here's what the prophecy timeline looks like. We start in 457 BC, as you can see on your, on your screens. And this, the 70 weeks end wherever they end. But... At the end of the 69 weeks, which means we have one more week here that we shall talk about later. At the end of the 69 weeks, Messiah will be anointed. This is who the Jews have been waiting for. This is the story that the old women, the matriarchs of the family, when they sit by the fire, would have been talking. We are looking forward to this man that we have been promised. There's been a promise right through from Adam. There's been a promise about someone who is to come. Now, here is a timeline prophecy that is telling them, pinpointed, that this man, the, the, the anointed one, is coming at this time. I pray that they will be wide awake. They won't miss this because God in this prophecy, he is telling them of time. Friends, as of the first coming of Jesus, God had given them a timeline. They shouldn't have missed it. As for the second coming of Jesus, we know not the hour when Jesus will come. You see, friends, in the first coming of Jesus, God had told the son the time of the coming. God had told the angels the time of the first anointing of the first coming of Jesus. God had told the prophets. So, God knew the time. The Father knew the time. The Son knew the time. The angels knew the time. The prophets knew the time. But as for the second coming, it's not my sermon, but it, it invites me, it entices me to say it. As for the second coming, not the Son knows not the, the angels, no. 
there is no prophet who knows about the coming, the timeline of the coming of Jesus. We can tell that he's just about to come when we see things happening. But as for the time, pinpointed time, we don't have. But here is the pinpointed time. Now, these 69 weeks and 70 weeks, we can translate them into days. I just wanted you to see that these this, there is a principle in Hebraic understanding that was understood by Daniel that these are not 69 weeks of days or 70 weeks of days. These are 70 weeks of years. And he knew this because just contemporary to Daniel, there was another prophet. His name was called Ezekiel, a little older, maybe way older than, 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 than Daniel. Ezekiel who was prophesying about uh, this punishment of God that was going to take 40 years. He says you should lie. You should lie on your side for 40, for 40 days, each day representing a year. So these days, these 69, three, 69 weeks are equal to 483 days, which means they are 483 years. And 70 weeks are 490 days. If you say 70 times 7, 490 days, they actually represent 490 years. This is what, this is what uh, uh, destroys um, Daniel from within. He understands them as years. So now that we know when this prophecy begins in 457, if you add 490 years, we now know that the 490 years end in AD 34. I pray you are still with me so far. So, this prophecy, let's go back to our timeline, starts in BC 457 and runs through to AD 34. But stay with me one more time. So, what about the 69 weeks at the end of the 69 weeks where we are expecting the prophet, I mean the, the prophecy to be fulfilled where the Messiah, the Prince, shall be anointed. Let's have a look at it. If you put 483 days from 457, it ends in AD 27. What actually happened in AD 27? If this is your question, please stay with me. We are almost home. Here it is. It says, now in the 50th, 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, he wrote being Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Eteria, and the region of Traconitis. It goes on to say on verse 2, and um, Lysanias, Tetrarch of Ebelin, while Annas and Cephas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Here we have come back to that prophet who was preaching in the wilderness. After a long time of a dry patch without prophets, here we hear that John, um, there is a word that comes to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. What does it say? When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven were opened. What happened when the heavens were opened? And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Friends, the Holy Spirit came upon, upon, upon Jesus on this year. 
that coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, according to Luke, when he writes, he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So that coming down of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, it was the anointing. Now, let's, I want you to watch this. History tells us, parallel history from the Bible, tells us that em Emperor Tiberius ruled from 12 AD to 37 AD. So if we started in 12 AD, and our verse says it was in the 15th year when Jesus was anointed, let's, let's do the math. If Emperor Tiberius starts in, 15, 12, in, in, in 12 AD, if we add 15 years, it brings us to 27 AD. Daniel predicted this prophecy 500 years before that. Are you with me, friends? 500 years. The children of Israel have been waiting for this moment and it's going to pass them by without noticing that this is the time they've been waiting for because the timeline is, is being fulfilled right to the time. Now I understand why John the Baptist, the prophet, the greatest of all the prophets, has to come up because he comes up at the end of the timeline of the 70 weeks, if you like, of the 69 weeks. To say, hey, there's someone who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. He has come. His sandals, I'm not even unworth, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even worth it to undo them. You see, this is why Mark picks up this story and he says these words. Now, after John was put in prison, John now has finished his job. <laughs> you see, friends, sometimes when we are finished with this job that God has sent us to do, God will rest his workers. Now, he will not kill them. He will allow them to rest. It says, now John has finished his, his work. Now, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is picking up his ministry. As, jo as Joseph, I mean, as John dies, Jesus picks up his ministry. And this is what he says. Hey, John the Baptist, you have finished your job. You have come at the end of the timeline. Time is fulfilled. The promise that God has given in the Old Testament is fulfilled. The promise has been fulfilled. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe in the gospel. In fact, next Sabbath, we shall spend a little bit more time on the theme of the kingdom of God that has come. What does Jesus do? Friends, as we come to the close, what does Jesus do? Luke chapter 4 verse 16. As he comes out of this baptism, Jesus comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his custom was, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. What did he say? And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. What was written in the scroll of Isaiah? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to do what? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That acceptable year that God prophesied, that timeline prophecy, I've come to proclaim it. It's as if Jesus and Isaiah and Daniel are embracing each other in meaning. 
end time of the end of rebellion against God. You remember, and the getting victory over sin to reconcile with with God, to forgive and to justify, to show that prophecy is true, and to consecrate the temple of the Most Holy, and to anoint Jesus has this Holy Spirit come upon me. That is AD twenty seven. Time is fulfilled. Jesus is anointed for ministry. And he begins his ministry. His ministry is that seven-year gap now. That one week to complete from 69 weeks, one week that is seven years. 69 plus, plus one week with seven days makes it 70 weeks. So, what shall happen in that week? He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, seven days or seven years. But in the middle of this week, what shall happen? He shall bring an end to sacrifice and to offering. So what is the, what is the middle of the week? Seven years, the, the middle of it is three and a half years. From AD 27, we come right to AD 31. You and I know that it is in the AD 31 that it is at the end of it that Messiah shall be killed, but not for himself, but for you and I, Jesus has become the sacrifice for sin. The promise of the Old Testament is fulfilled. All of the books of the Old Testament, they find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus. It is Jesus who is speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures. And when he's saying you search the scriptures, he's talking about pretty much the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. And he's talking about the, the wisdom of, of Job, the wisdom of David in the Psalms, the wisdom of Solomon in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Songs of Solomon. He's talking about the prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets. He says, you search those because these are they that testify of me. I am the word with a big, with a capital letter W that lurks, that is hiding behind the letter the crossing of a T and the dot of an I. As you look into those words, small little print of the Bible, look behind them, you will find me right there. Though I am not too far away from me, if you look for me, you will find me in the scriptures. And this scripture is saying, he is the Messiah. Time has been fulfilled. Friends, it is for that reason that we hear in Acts chapter 4 and the verses 12 that there is no salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I want you to know, friends, there is no book like the Bible. Other books, they write X event after the event. This book has written about the coming of Jesus way 500 years before he had come. In fact, thousands of years even before, before he had come. He is a divine being. He has come to rescue humanity. He has come to rescue you, my friend. This prophecy is proving that. I understand, friends, when you find me getting excited. It is because this little boy from Africa growing up and um, with all these worldviews around him, African traditional worship system and all the other Islam around me and all these other. When I picked up the prophecies of the book of Daniel, they went right to the heart. I could read and see that this book book is different from all the other books. It speaks, it walks with us into the future. In Daniel's time, it walked into the future and it gave a promise. And that promise was fulfilled in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not have 
um, should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, this is why we believe in the Bible, because it, it points to the promise. And my last verse from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines into a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. When you take the prophecies of this book, they shine in a dark place that we are living. And the light of them, John says, I'm not that light. Jesus is the light that is being shone by the torch of prophecy. And for prophecy, as you continue, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Friends, I want you to know that we have discovered that through the prophecies, the timeline, God has raised a prophet and he says there is one who is coming because of the prophecies. And when that person comes, he says, time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And because of that, it should do something to our hearts to know that the prophecies of the Bible through the person of Jesus, they can walk with us into the future. When that happens, our hearts are touched. And here is the message. Here is the therefore our message. Repent and believe in the gospel. Friends, time is fulfilled. I don't know about you. When I read about these things, they make me fall in love with Jesus more and more. My friend Maleta is going to sing this song about Jesus. I want you to listen to it carefully. This song is inviting us into, a, an, into a, um, an intimate relationship, into a very close relationship with Jesus. Is it your wish to have a close relationship with Jesus? Listen to this song.
thank you, Maleta, for that beautiful song. Just give me Jesus. You can have the world, but just give me Jesus. The world wants to give you a lot of things, but they won't fill in the gap. Just give me Jesus. If this is your prayer, pray with me. Father in heaven, our prayer is simple today. We have understood that Jesus wants a personal relationship with us. That we are the beloved of heaven. Just give us Jesus. We wish we knew how to give you our souls. We just say, take over our lives now. We, all you are asking us to do is to believe. We don't know how to believe, Father. We have the facts now. But this is just informational. We don't want information only. Father, may this information lead us to a transformational relationship. A relationship with you that is alive, that has a deep connection with heaven. That is our earnest desire. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was made available by Fountain in the City. For more resources like this, visit fountaininthecity.com.au. This is Fill Me Now by Fountain View Academy.
Listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking with God. The prayer for today is entitled, I'm in a hurry, Lord. And the text to match is from Daniel 12 and verse 4. But you, Daniel, must end these words and seal the book until the time of the end comes. Many people should run here and there as knowledge increases. And now we shall pray. Dear Father, protector of your children, here is one child of yours who is in a desperate hurry, not in a hurry to leave your presence, and not only, as I have prayed before, to please get the devil off my back. Instead, it is the devil within me that's worrying me. This is not an excuse, Lord, but Paul seemed to have had the same trouble when he wrote that the good he wanted to do evaded him and the evil he did not want to do enslaved him with guilt. Indeed, O Lord, I am a wretched man, for when cleansed by the blood of my Saviour in such a precious and essential experience for me, so soon afterwards a thought intrudes into my just cleansed mind, and I am spiritually dirty again, an unclean beast as it were, ready, so ready to plunge into the cleansing flow that Calvary opened up to the world. So here I am, Lord, in a desperate hurry for forgiveness and for cleansing and further for the Holy Spirit's power to take charge of my life, not to make a robot of me, even for good, but to turn this undeserving yet so grateful child into a son of love and obedience. This will bring me lasting joy, but even more importantly, will give you the glory, thanks and praise that you deserve. Father, please pass on to your Son, my Saviour, and to Holy Spirit, my guide and helper, my gratefulness that human language has no words to express. I am hoping that in your great eternity, when we shall see you face to face, that our vocabulary will be sufficiently expanded for me to say thank you as I would like to do. So, dear Father, please grant me my urgent plea, not only to get Satan off my back, but out of my mind and soul as well. I shall be ever grateful for my Saviour's sacrifice made even for me. Amen. Amen. 
To obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.